So this is not just an intellectual ascent. It's just not knowing in your mind. No, it's making that journey from your head to your heart and saying, God, I transfer the trust of my life into your hands. I understand it's not a flawless faith. I will fail you. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Abraham, called Abram at this time, is just a regular guy. In, in fact, we're introduced to him because he's the son of his dad. And his dad, by the way, was a polytheist. That means he worshipped a lot of different gods. And so he, he was certainly not a, a, a tall character in our faith. But in, in chapter 12, it says, Then the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you will I curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed to you. So Abram went as the Lord told him. And so as we're introduced to Abraham, what we find out is from the beginning of our introduction, he's listening to what God says to do, and he's responding in faith. Now, why is that so important? Well, it's important because faith has always been a part of following after God. Today, a lot of folks will say in the Old Testament, people responded by the law, and in the New Testament, they respond by faith with God's grace. But the reality is it's always been a faith response. But did that mean that Abram was some super follower of God? Well, not exactly. Do you know what happens in this same chapter, in Genesis chapter 12? The the Bible says that Abram's on his journey, and he and Sarah come to this kingdom where they're afraid of what the king will do. And so Abram looks to his wife, and he says, all right, here's what we're going to do. You tell the king that you're my sister. And if he thinks you, you're pretty, then, then you go with him and you can be with him. All right, those of you who are married, how do you think you would respond to that? It'd be like after Abram picks himself up from the ground. Yeah. Well, that's just one of the times. That same thing happened again. There are other sins in in Abraham's life. Later in life, when God gives him a child, um, Abraham had already been with Sarah's maid and bore a child with her. And then when his wife got jealous, they all acted like, what in the world is this about? I mean, he, he was not what you today would think of a super Christian. But something happened. And what happened took place in chapter 15. Look at chapter 15 of Genesis, beginning in verse 5. He took him outside and he said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. That's 
That's the verse that Paul quoted. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Now, remember what's taking place. Abram is an old man. He's in his 80s. He's already gone out on a limb, followed after God, not knowing where God wanted him to go. Now God comes to him at night. And he takes him out and tells him to look up at the night sky. In 2008, I visited Jordan and I went to the desert of Wadi Rum. And there in the desert of Wadi Rum, I had the privilege to just park beside the road, turn off the lights of the car and look up and you can literally see the Milky Way galaxy. I mean, it's not like, like looking to the night sky in Tampa Bay where there's city lights and there are airplanes flying by. No, no, no. You see the stars the majesty of God's creation. God said, look up, O man who has no child. Count the stars. That's how great I'm going to make your name. Your descendants will outnumber the stars. What do you think you'd do if you had that encounter? Probably go to the ER, right? Man, what happened to me? I'm hallucinating. And yet notice what it says. Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. As hard as it is to understand and believe. The Bible teaches. That all God wants is your simple trust that his promises are true. He just wants you to believe that he is who he says he is and he'll do what he said he would do. That's what we learn from Abraham. Though it seems too good to be true, we can relate to God through faith. In Christ, by grace. Paul uses this word over and over again. He says um, it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, we can understand that, right? Because all of us have bank accounts and we know when it gets low. And when it, we, we have Bank of America account and when our boys begin to get older, uh, we got them Bank of America accounts and um, I had theirs linked to mine. And uh, I, I did that so that I could watch. If, if they got into trouble, I could help. Because you, you know what happens is if, if their account gets down, I could pull out my phone and just open the app. And I can switch money from my account to theirs. And then Bank of America came out with this notification that lets you know when the account is low. And so and then I started getting these notifications. And it's like, you wake up in the morning, you got a notification. You got a low balance. And so I go on there scared to death, something happened to mine. And I say, no, no, that's one of their accounts. And so what do I do? Their account's low. It's down to about $25 or something. And, and so I take everything from my account and put it in there. And so now it's up to $75. <laughs> Not exactly, but that's close. But in, a, in an instant... I can credit their account. That's what it says God does when we simply look to him in faith. 
He takes us who are not righteous, who are sinners, who are in need of salvation, and he puts his righteousness on our account. And he makes it just as if we've never sinned. He justifies us, and that's when we're saved. And it's not because of anything we've done. It's completely because of who he is. One of the best ways I've ever seen this illustrated is through the illustration of a chair. And I love this chair. We got it with the table, and it's sturdy. It's heavy. If you can see up close, it's got kind of brass tacked to it right here. It just gives it a more of a strong look. And, man, that seat is strong. And Man, I'm, I've lost a little bit of weight, and so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that chair can hold. Oh, and watch this. <laughs> this is really cool. Ooh, ah, I mean, this, this is a nice chair. And I, in fact, I don't have any, I don't have any qualms in telling you, I believe that chair can hold me. But right now, I'm not trusting that chair to hold me up. What am I trusting in? I'm trusting in Pat and Charlie. <laughs> I'm, I'm trusting in these legs. I'm, I'm trusting in myself. The only way that I can demonstrate that I'm trusting that that chair can hold me up is when there's a transfer of trust. I'm, I'm transferring the trust from my legs to the legs of this chair. And now I, I can say, yeah, I really trust this chair to hold me. Now, I can stand over here and I can say, man, that's a great chair. I could even raise my hand and say, I love you, chair. I could bow down and say, that's the best chair ever. I could go through a lot of motions. But until I actually transfer my trust to this chair, it, mean, it means nothing. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. I I think what we have to ask as we journey through a passage like this is whether or not there's been a time where you've recognized there was nothing you could do. You couldn't be good enough. You couldn't be religious enough. There's nothing you could do to earn your favor with God. But you trusted what he said he had done. And you transferred the trust from your life to his life. And you were saved. Look at verse 4. It says, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. That makes sense, right? A lot of you work. You have jobs. When you get a paycheck, 
Do you ever take that paycheck after you worked and go into the boss and say, thank you so much. I can't believe you gave me a paycheck. I'm so surprised. I'm so, no, you don't do that. You're great. You've got that paycheck spent before you ever got it because you knew you deserved it. You put in the work to get that paycheck. That's the way it works when you work for something. But notice what he says. When the man who does not work but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. See, here's the problem. If we were to work for this, we're really making it all about us. And God wants you to know that it's all about him. The good things you do, it's not to make you feel better. It's not so that you've done something and as a result he accepts you. That's what every other religion thinks. No, no, no. This is about him. I get into trouble this way sometimes when I go to a restaurant. I I believe when you go to a restaurant and you have the opportunity to tip, You should tip generously. I believe as Christ followers, we should be the most generous people uh, around. But sometimes I get into trouble because they bring you that little white slip of paper. And it's got the total and it's got a a blank line where you put the tip. And and I'm just being honest here. Confession. Sometimes I've like left a generous tip and kind of turned that paper so when that waitress comes back by and I'm still sitting there, she can see it. <laughs> and what did I do? I made it about me. Not about her or just an effort to be generous. And that, that's what we do. If you've come into this place or even if you're here today because that just makes sense. Some of you are here today because you feel like I've got to do this. God's going to accept me more if I show up at church. If, if I put something in the time of giving or if I raise my hands when I sing. And, and what we're really doing is saying, God, this is more about me than it is about you. So... Paul's bringing it home and he says, let me just give you one more illustration. He said, after Abraham, who do you think about in our faith that you really like to look to? He said, what about David? Oh, King David. What did David say? So he says, David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man who who God credits righteousness apart from works. And then he quotes Psalm 32. I read it again this morning. He says, blessed are these whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. That same idea of being credited. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Now, why would Paul use David? Because everybody knew David was not perfect. King David, the lineage of Jesus, and yet he had blown it big. You see, if, if, your, if your connection with God is based on what you do, the best of us are in trouble. Did David have faith in God? You better believe it. But it wasn't based on his righteousness. And you could go throughout all of Scripture, story after story, you would see the same thing. And that should comfort us because we see that even the heroes of our faith, they sin just like us. But we don't hang out there long 
because we remember it's not about them just like it's not about us. This is not the story of Abraham. This is not the story of David. This is his story. He's the one we look, like, we look to. So Paul says we're not saved by the works we do. He then goes on to say we're not saved by righteousness. And I'm not going to read this whole next section. It begins in verse 9 because it's, it just gets awkward when you start talking about circumcision at church on Sunday morning. But, but here in this passage, Paul just talks about it over and over again. I mean, if I were reading it, it'd be like circumcision, circumcision, circumcision. I mean, and, and so why is this in there? Why is this? You're going to read this to the rest of Romans and throughout the New Testament. Why does it talk about it? Well, it talks about it because the Jewish people had taken this act of circumcision, circumcision that was first instituted by Abraham, and they had made this a test of your faith. If you're not circumcised, then you don't really have this faith in God. And so Paul's saying, just like it's not based on your righteousness, it's also not based on your legalism, on these laws. The laws aren't going to save you. That sign, it's just an outward expression of this inner faith that you've already expressed. And, and we have something like that today, don't we? called believer's baptism. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism's not going to send you to heaven. But baptism is something we do as an outward expression of what God has done inwardly in our life through faith. So then he prepares to end the section we're going to talk about today. He says in verse 13, it's not through law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who live by law are heirs, faith has no value, and the promise is worthless, because law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there's no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith. And here we see something important. The object of our faith is not a church building. The object of our faith is not a particular religious ritual. Though some of those have deep meaning to us. The object of our faith is the promises of God. And those promises are most manifested in the gift of salvation we have through the forgiveness made available through Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Seems too good to be true. Can I just say, yes, Lord, I believe, and that be enough? Well, according to Scripture, the answer to that is yes. If that belief describes a transfer of trust in your life. Though it seems too good to be true, we can all relate to God by faith alone, in Christ alone, through God's grace alone. So the biggest decision you'll ever make is not, am I going to church today? It's not, did I follow this rule? The biggest decision you'll ever make is whether or not you truly believe Enough to transfer the trust of your life. 
It's really whether or not you believe that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That he's all you need. And, and the key is in that plus sign because we try, we try to always make it plus something. So, so for example, some of you come from a Catholic background. And in the Catholic church, even in the doctrine, the, the key is in the plus. Because yes, it teaches faith in God. But it's faith plus your works that equals salvation. And yet we're seeing that you'll never do enough work if your salvation is based on that. Uh, They teach that grace is there, yes, but it's grace plus what you deserve, your merit, that's going to equal salvation. That's what purgatory is all about in their belief. Because you're going to hang out there based on what you deserve, right? And so ultimately it teaches that Christ plus me equals salvation. And that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible tells us that Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Everything. So it seems too good to be true. But we can relate to God. By faith alone. In Christ alone. Through God's grace alone. So the question of the day is this. Have you put your faith in God? Have you trusted what he's done as enough for you? Go back to that question we talked about at the beginning. How would you answer it? Hey, if you're standing before God in heaven and he said, why should I let you in? What would you say? If you would say anything but, man, I I don't deserve to go in. But I believe that Jesus died for my sin. And he, he rose from the grave. And he's forgiven me. And he's shown me grace. And I believe that that's enough. How, how do you know if you're living by this kind of faith? Let me just give you a couple of things. Number one, you, you ask that question. Am I depending on his grace for everything in my life? So if this is true, if what we've talked about today is true, then the gospel, the message of God's grace, that's what's going to help you in your marriage. If everything we've talked about is true and you've got an addictive habit, these patterns in your life that are destructive, it's God's grace through the gospel that's going to make the difference. If this is truth and you're at the end of your rope as a parent and you don't know what to do, you've begun to understand, I can't do this no matter how many books I read, no matter how hard I try. I can't do this but by the grace of God. That's what it means to live this way. But it also means I'm trusting him enough to obey. So I heard one pastor put it this way. He said, you know, and this is true in our church too. We have folks that, um, you know, are are seeking in many areas of their life to follow after God. And and yet they're in some big areas or not. An easy one to talk about would be like finances. But let's not talk about that right now. So we we probably have people um, in our church that are not married but are cohabitating. They're living together. And occasionally someone like that will ask us, um, 
Pastor, you, you think God's upset at us for that? And what does that say? That says, I, I have enough faith to worry about the wrath of God, but I don't have enough faith to walk in the will of God. And so one of the ways you determine if you really have this kind of faith is if you're believing enough to obey Him. Because that's what Abraham did. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.